Hey, welcome to this episode of Get My Cheese Back on My Cracker. And I'm Paige Benjamin of Atomic Travels. And I'm Ashley Nicole. In this episode, we're going to be discussing um, taking care of our parents as we deal with more improved technologies and luxuries that we've never had access to. Many of us are finding that we are at a crossroads between living and managing the responsibilities of taking care of aging parents. It is, is it a responsibility? How can we balance this and maintain our mental health state? Let's meet our panel. Janelle? Hi everyone. Um, Janelle, um, travelingport14 is my handle on Instagram. Not sure what else I'm supposed to say. Is that all you need me to say? Uh, what, what do you do? Oh, what I do. So I am a dean and professor at Wyatt University. I have on my Wyatt shirt. Um, what else? You didn't give me intro details. Sorry. I feel like I was that's, that's, that's good. That's good. Okay. <laughs> all right, Brandy. I'm Brandy. Um, I'm a full-time caregiver. I'm a hairstylist. And my handle on Instagram is crowned by B. Awesome. Awesome. Great to have y'all. I'm so excited to have y'all and thank y'all for giving us y'all time today. Um, so we're going to get right into it. Um, so no one plans for the day that the responsibility of taking care of their parents will come. As a caregiver, how does this level of responsibility impact you mentally? And feel free anybody jumping at any time. Okay. I think, um, that, I mean, it's a great question. It's a weighty question. Um, and I don't know, um, I, I, it's, it's, I feel like it's a, it's a story build up to how it affects you mentally, but I feel like the short answer of what it does to you mentally is it's draining on a lot of levels uh, because you can't prepare for it. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, and then depending on where you are in your life and what you're trying to do, um, it can impede that in some ways. And then just the, the mental angst of being a caregiver in general, um, parental or otherwise, uh, for me and my experience was the word I would use for my mental state would be training. It's most definitely draining um, and stressful. Um, again, you don't know what to do. It's kind of like a saying where you don't know how strong you can be until that's the only option that you have. Mm -hmm. And it takes strength. Definitely understood. So when, um, and if you don't mind me asking, which of, uh, is it your parents or which one of your parents are you or loved ones are you taking care of? So I was, um, I was a care, I was the primary caregiver. My dad, my, pa my dad passed away in 2015. And so, um, when he was diagnosed with stage four, um, prostate cancer is when I became his caregiver. So I cared for my dad for the last year of his life. Um, my is my mother. Uh, she had a massive stroke in 2015, um, which was like maybe four months after I had my first and only child. Mm -hmm. um, and I had help at first with my brother, then he passed away in 2018. So it's been me by myself since then. Okay. 
see, see, the thing is, I can, I can kind of relate to you guys' story because, um, I mean, not as long as you have, but um, I've actually been taking care of my dad for the last three years, give or take a few. And um, yeah, I, I think you guys hit it on the mark. It's, it's stressful. It's exhausting. Um, the part that I struggle with is balancing the level of having to control and the respect for the for your parent, if that makes any sense, right? It's like, now I am his dietitian, I am his doctor, I'm his driver, and I'm also reminding him like, bro, you gotta turn the water off when you're done. It's like, you, the roles are reversed. When you was a kid, you let the water run because you just forgetful as a child. And now, as they get older, some of their faculties start to go away and you are now kind of in the role of the parent and like, come on, did you wash, did you wash all the soap off your back? Did you brush your teeth? Did you do these things? And I think a lot of times we are a lot of unsung heroes, but we're also like not complainers, if that makes any sense. Like, we're not going to go ask somebody to help us out. I think we find ourselves not necessarily struggling, right? Because people know what our responsibilities are. But I think sometimes we find it that there are a lot of people not stepping in to help us when we need their help the most. You know what I mean? So, oh, 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 Brandy sounds like she's agreeing. Like, so, like, in my scenario, I'm the youngest of all my dad's children. And so, um, ideally, it would have been to the oldest, but I'm the only one with the means, I'm the only one with the space, and I'm only one with, with the time. Um, and I'm also the only one without children. So um, things start to kind of remove themselves as to why the others aren't responsible to take care of him. Um, and so leaving me with the one having to care for him. And it's, and it's, it's an emotional draining aspect, right? Cause you know, um, I can't imagine having to go to chemo after chemo and then doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment, hearing not so good news single time you go. Cause that's, that was the painstaking part for me was going to, so I got my dad at kind of a tipping point. It was, um, he, you know, no one really, everyone was telling me your dad is, is losing some of his faculties, but nobody really knew how bad, right? And so um, I got my dad, actually, my dad's a vagrant. So he would go to Haiti, come back, go to Haiti and then come back. And he would miss his um, Medicaid renewals. And you know how difficult it is to get that back up again. He would miss his uh, insurance renewals. And so I literally had to start all over again just to get his services. And when I finally got them, it was a matter of waiting, what, six weeks, even longer, just to get a cardiologist appointment, uh, ophthalmologist appointment, an ENT. So I, I can't imagine, like, you know, doing this and... Also, we're also maintaining our personal well-beings, right? Um, Brandy, I know you mentioned to me that you're caring for some other, um, some other people as well. So you have yours, 
another set and your mom's, right? Yeah. Yes, if you're talking to me, I'm sorry, it's breaking up a little bit. Yes. Oh, no um, go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying, you know, I can't imagine you having three folds of responsibilities. Yeah, um, like I said, initially, um, I had my baby, and a couple months later is when my mom had her stroke. So I had my older brother. We both came back, and we were helping. Um, then he got sick and passed away in 2018, which left, at that point, left his two teenage sons. He had an older daughter, but she was on her own at that point. Um, it left them here with me as well. And they were helping, like, the oldest one could take my mom to, because my mom, like I said, she had a massive stroke. Mm -hmm. She's in her right mind. She knows everything, but sometimes she can't verbally say it, which is mm -hmm. uber frustrating. And prior to her being sick, I, I worked in a nursing home. I worked in the, I was a CNA. And so I've had experiences with patients with dementia and stress and all that. It's totally different when it's somebody you love, especially your mother. Um, but like I said, I had them and then I couldn't raise the boys like I was supposed to, like I should have been able to. So they did move back with their mom, but I still, um, with the baby boy, I still help with him. And I have my own six-year-old daughter, but to touch on what you said about um, juggling the two, I think I'm just now in the last maybe year and a half almost figuring out how to balance my personal life with her. But again, I can, there's only so far I can go um, as far as like vacation, celebrating my birthday, and doing all that stuff. So it's, it's a constant struggle. And I have to constantly remind the people around me, such as my friends and my peers, that I can't get up and go. I can't take my baby to the babysitter and then meet y'all there. Like, I have two sitters. <laughs> mm -hmm. And one of them has to be physically able to lift my mom because she can't, she can walk but she can't walk, if that makes any sense. Um, She mm -hmm. can't walk by herself. She can't go from sitting to standing position by herself. She can't lay down by herself. Only mm -hmm. thing she can do is wash the top part of her body and feed herself. So it's a struggle <laughs> to say the least. So um, I kind of have the same situation, except for it wasn't me. My mom had um, a stroke. She had a major stroke and she recovered pretty much. And then she had another one about maybe eight or nine months later. But my sister was the um, primary caregiver because she was at home. And uh, she was saying that um, if y'all can y'all see the comments, I never confirm. If y'all can see the comments, that's her that's talking. She um she was sharing that um it's kind of hard because you have to adjust your life and you also have to um it's hard on the parent because they don't want to be a burden and they don't want to be um asking for help because I know that was one of my mom's things. She would always wait until too late for something for she's like, Yeah, I would have asked, but um can you do this for me? How does, does do y'all have that happening? And how does that, where did he go? How does, um, what I forgot. How does, how does that impact like your relationship with your, uh, your mom? Um, as far as her not wanting to ask for help, is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. well, well, her not um, for well, prior to her being sick, she's always, I'm sorry, her not asking for help and overall caring for her. 
how does that impact you guys' relationship? Oh, <laughs> um, as far as far as her not asking for help, she's always been a caregiver herself. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to her, so I know it makes her feel less than maybe, um, and dependent on me. Um, so sometimes she she doesn't, but I'm the only option she has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she really doesn't have a problem with asking me. But as far as our relationship, it's made it closer. It's made us much closer. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that at first. I was like, she, I'm, a, I'm brutally honest. I don't know if they told y'all, but she gets on my nerves sometime and I get on her nerves sometime. Mm-hmm. But um, like I was telling someone in the last year with this pandemic, with me not being able to physically go to work, it's made our relationship even stronger than it was prior to her. It's just me, her, and my daughter. Like, it's us all day, every day. Um, and of course, we bump heads. We're two Taurus women living in the same house. And, but overall, I really would say it has made us closer because uh, I've learned so much about my mom that I never knew. And I was an adult when it happened. So I thought I had knew everything about my mom. But mm-hmm. it taught me so much um, about her as a woman, as a person, as a woman of God. Like, Everything I thought I knew, <laughs> it taught me more mm-hmm. of. Um, so, yeah, I just think it made us closer. Okay. And I think that's funny because um, it's kind of, it's weird. My dad is, he's a talker, but he doesn't talk to me. So, <laughs> um, and it's 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 weird that I've, I've just recently learned that if I want to get him to talk, we have to go on a car ride. Um, my dad is, he likes to tell stories and he likes to tell us stories of how he became the person that he is, um, which is which is cool, but at first it was a struggle, right? It was a struggle for him that I've taken over him, as well as the, accepting the fact that the others wouldn't be taking care of him. Um, I think the biggest struggle was in telling him what to do, um, especially when he was already in a routine of doing his own thing. Like, um, you know, you can't eat any sweets, you can't eat any fried foods. Well, why can't I do it? Um, You can't go to Haiti, why can't I do it? Explaining to him some his condition was a, a challenge because one there was a huge not a huge but there's a language barrier between the medical terminology and the terminology that for me to explain to him in Creole. So a lot of times I would hear him on a call and be like, "These doctors don't know what they're doing. I'm just gonna go somewhere else and take get it taken care of," and we built kind of like a, a frenemy type of scenario, if that makes any sense. Um, he knows I'm necessary, but he doesn't necessarily have to talk to me if he doesn't want to. Um, but it's, it's uh, we have a, a, an aide that comes by who maintains kind of conversations with him and stuff like that. Um, and prior to COVID, he was going to the senior center. But I think COVID actually kind of made him retreat a lot more and kind of like, I want to say he was a little, little depressed a little bit, but 
now he got the shot. My man's like, look, let's go over the world and travel. He he's like, I want to go to Egypt. I want to go to Israel. I want to go there. I want to go to Morocco. I was like, oh, I mean, this is the same guy that was afraid to walk out the door. You know what I mean? But um, you know, to your point as well. Um, you know, both of my parents found religion later in life. Well, not religion, but became more Christian later on in life. Um, and you you can see how in their older age, how they rely on that so much more to give them strength. Um, we don't realize how religion, regardless of the denomination, provides a level of comfort for people knowing that there's a higher being in control and that they ultimately have something positive for them sometime down the line. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I did also want to ask, um, that is a great point. Um, in the previous episode, we mentioned um, that it takes a village to raise a child. Do you think it's about the same principle as far as taking care of your parent? Like, um, I know, Brandy, you mentioned that you're, you're by yourself, but um, do you think that it would be easier or that you could actually use a village? If, if I can Most interject. Um, I'm sorry, Jay. No, I'm sorry, because my phone is like going in and out. I was going to like talk when I could, because I, I see it might have signal now. I don't know if I'll, keep, I'll, I'll have it, but I wanted to say if I could answer. I do, I wanted to go back a little bit and I'll go forward to answer this question, but I agree. Or my relationship, I felt like with my dad, I did get closer to my dad um, during during that time. And in like full transparency, the, the three years prior to his diagnosis, we weren't as close. And I'm bringing it back to this particular question. My dad had four kids and I felt like three years prior, he would only ask me for stuff because I was the quote unquote responsible child in which I felt like it was unfair. You have four other children who are equally, in my opinion, responsible. We're all, you know, doing well in our own right, but he would only call me. So we kind of like drifted for years because it was like, stop calling me when you need something. Um, and so then during his year, we got closer. But at the same time, um, I got into like rifts with my siblings because all, every, all the caregiving responsibilities fell on in which I felt like he has four children. Um, we should be able to just rotate, rotate some things in certain ways and it shouldn't just fall on one person. So I just absolutely agree. And I think that having a village to care for anyone, raise a child, care for a parent, care for a person, um, is essential. It's essential because it, it shifts sometimes. It gives a person a break. Because as we see with the pandemic and everything else, burnout is real. And when you do something too much, too long, too stretched, you can't, you can't be good to anyone. So I absolutely think um, a village would be necessary. Yes, most definitely, because um, I, I'm i not one of those people who ask for help. Mm -hmm. I don't like to ask for help because I feel like I'm supposed to be able to do it. And that's with anything. Like I'm supposed to be able to do it myself. Mm -hmm. um, we had a family gathering not too long ago, and we were, we never do this, but we went around and asked everybody if there's anything they wanted to say, and I just couldn't take it no more. Mm -hmm. So I just told like my mom's brothers and sisters and my cousins how I felt. I wish I could call, even if it's just a phone call, to talk to her, to get her off of me. 
give them, you know what I'm saying? Like just something to brighten her day or just y'all gossip about whatever it is. Um, I just felt like I they owed that to me. Not even to me, to my mom, because she's the oldest. And she took care of them and she took care of their kids when they needed it. And I just felt like they owed it. But I had come to the realization that nobody owes us anything because I and you can't make people do. If it's not right, if it's not affecting them, it's they're not going to act on it. Um, I would love to have somebody come, one of my mom's brothers or sisters come and spend the whole day with her just to let me get out of the house without me having to find somebody to come and sit with her and me having to pay them out of pocket to come and sit with my mom. So I would love that. But the reality of it is I don't see it ever happening. Um, just to go back to what he said, my mom did have a, an aide who came and sat with her up until COVID. And when I got sick with COVID, um, the lady actually quit in the middle of the day while I was in the bed with COVID. Um, and that was back in June of 2020. So I've like literally been on my own since then. The lady would be here while I was at work and my mm -hmm. daughter was in school, but now it's just, it's just us. But yeah, a village would be very helpful. And I'm in kind of a similar situation, right? And like I was saying earlier, I'm the youngest of the children. And it, it was weird when my dad was able to get around and do stuff for people on his own accord, you had a whole bunch of people rallying around. He was always visiting people. I, I don't think he realized he was always the one going to them. Um, and with... And, and Brandy, I'm not sure how far you are from your mom's siblings, but my fam, my, my siblings are only an hour away, right, um, max. And so I've said I've had them for three years. They've only visited twice, right? Um, if I don't take him to go see them, we're not going to see them. So um, between that and some other things, it created a rift between my siblings I now don't talk to him. Um, and it's one of those things where, like, I kind of got tired. I got tired of being the chauffeur. I got tired of being the one to be the bigger person. I got tired of being the person that has to just, you know what, F it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it all myself. Now, granted, people ask me, can they help? Um, I think can I help is becoming a formality of just if I don't ask, it's going to look bad, right? It's like a fake request to help you out. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be an a-hole and be like, you know what, exactly, I do need something from you. I need you to pick him up for a week. I need him to stay with you for a week. Or I need you to come over here and spend time with him. Because um, the Time is the one thing we don't have control of. Um, we can't take it back. We can't add to it. Um, we can only consume it in how it's given to us. And for him, he's starting to realize, you know, no one's coming to visit me. No one's um, taking me out. If I don't go to anybody, they're not going to come to me. And I believe a couple of weeks ago, he was on, on a situation where he was like, I'm not talking to nobody unless these five, four or five people, because if they really cared about me, they would come visit or they would call me or they would this, that, and the other. Um, now to some people's defense, 
he's he has a hearing loss, all right. And so if the phone does he doesn't hear it sometimes. But the other things are still valid, right? Like he's your dad, he's your uncle, he's your brother, he's your sister, he's you know all of these things. But if we don't give them their roses and visit them when they're here, honestly, I might be a monster when it comes down to the last moments because I'm gonna be like. F you, F you, F you, you might be cool and F you because in the midst of all of this, I still have to maintain my sanity while everybody else is going through their thing. But, you know, this ain't easy. If you're going to every doctor's appointment and it's bad news after bad news after bad news and you don't have anybody to share that with mm-hmm. and God forbid you have a significant other, putting that on them on top of what they're going through there's a reason why the caregivers are usually on the sun because, you know, what the saying goes, I'm not going to compla- complain because nobody cares about it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, and to Brandy's point, you know, I could do this myself. Like, I add another person to the mix. They just mess up the flow. They'll miss an appointment. They'll forget to remind them to do something. And point, you got to, like, me, I literally conditioned a blind man to walk around an apartment to care for himself. You know what I mean? And it got to a point where he knows how to get to things. That man doesn't even use his eyes anymore. He just walks around and feels around things, knows where it's at, and leverages that to to maintain his level of independence still. Um, but outside of this house, if I'm not there or somebody's not there to kind of walk him through, it's a challenge. It's a challenge every time. But... Um, this is something that's been bestowed upon me by God or the power that be. And I, you know, like Brandy, we ain't got no choice but to do it. You know what I mean? Yes, most definitely. The, with the visiting and um, my mom's siblings are the furthest one is, uh, is an hour away. The closest one is two streets away. Um, and it hurt. It hurts my feelings, and I know the type of person that my mom was prior to her being sick. She's always been the, the calm, the one from all the situations. Everybody loved her. She was the sweetest, and it hurts my feelings because I'm like, dang, y'all should treat somebody like me like that, not nobody like her. Like I don't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't treat. I don't. I hate to see my mama cry. I hate to see her feelings hurt. Um, and she'll say some. Sometimes she'll say little things like. I wonder what X, Y, Z is doing, which in in our language, I know that means you want me to take you there. But then I have to physically get you up in a car, put your wheelchair in the car, get your wheel. And nobody, everybody's looking like, well, you, you used to, you know what to do. And I'm like, yeah, but help me. My back hurt. <laughs> but at the same time, whenever they are around, they're like, if she's around, they're catering to her. Oh, my God, she's here. What? And they try to alter our um, our flow of our way of doing things. Well, she should go over here and sit, sit like this, so she can't go over there and sit like that because her leg is stiff and it's going to hit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a catch on it too with me because it's a dang if you do and dang if you don't situation. Like I need for y'all to help me, but I need for y'all to follow my lead because I know what I'm doing because I've been doing this. Mm-hmm. Even though I am the baby, but I'm the one that's here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so let me ask a question: Do you think 
So do you think it's a cultural thing, right? Because, I mean, if you look back at our ancestors, they took care of their elders up until, um, you know, they were no longer here, right? And, you know, we've, we've come over here and over time, I mean, if you look back even slave time, like the elders were taken care of, and as time grows and we are more inundated with stuff around us, right? Do you feel as though that culturally um, we've changed to meet the demands around us? Because I know for me, um, you know, my parents are Haitian. So we we take care of our family, you know, regardless if we got $100 or $100 million. Um, there's nobody else to take care of them. But you and I are kind of like unicorns. I'm, well, you're, in your scenario is unfortunate, but there's other people around that should be willing to take care of the siblings. Like, what do you think is attributing, and Janelle, I see you're, you're back. What do you guys think attributes to the fact that there's a lack of village for the aging? Because that's kind of, that's kind of dis disheartening. I think um, I think if I I think it comes down to this probably sounds terrible, but like selfishness. I feel like because no one really wants to do it. No one no, like you know it's coming. You can't really plan for it. You don't want to do it again. Like what I said earlier, depending on where you are um, in your life and what you're going through, it's kind of like you know, it's, it's, I forgot what quote, it's like a quote that says, everybody, it's everyone's job, but nobody wants to do it, but somebody got to do it, but like no one wants to, something like that. It's like, you know, and I feel like with this generation, um, it could be values, um, lack of community, lack of village, maybe also back to the selfish part, like maybe we're not asking, maybe we don't know to ask, maybe we also feel guilty about burdening someone else because we know how burnt out we are. I feel like there's a lot of layers to it. But um, if if I could sum it up, I would probably I would hang my hat on selfishness. Um, I would I would hang it on selfishness is, is what I would say, because in I think in all of our situations, I think while as people and I and I don't necessarily know you um, personally, Randy, but based on your story, I think we would have all stepped up in any situation regardless without someone asking us to do it or asking us to be a caregiver, I feel like it's just what we would do. But there are some people who will not because they look at us and know that we can do it. They know that there's someone back to being the rock. You're the strong one. You're going to do it. So they don't have to. And so, and I say that, so this isn't, um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself to be my mom's caregiver because she's fully functional and all the things. But I just remember one time my mom asked me for something and she was like, but, but I know you have it. And he was like, you don't think your son has it? I don't know. Like, why do you think it's me? Oh, you're, you're responsible. So I'm not allowed to be irresponsible just in case you need me. Um, and so in that way, I think it just goes back to selfishness. Mm -hmm. I would definitely say selfishness. Um, because like you said, if, I mean, if you don't have to do something, why do it? Because And, and the response I always get from everybody is, or from the ones who do still work or who aren't retired, they're like, well, I got to go to work. I understand it. Get your money. She work every day. And it, it doesn't it doesn't take a long or doesn't cost anything for you to pick up the phone 
and say, hey, sis, how you doing? Or, hey, auntie, how you doing? Or, hey, grandma, how you doing? And just to make her day because, and I, I always get on my mama. Like, we have this, um, they say I'm very militant. I don't know where I got that from. I didn't even know that was a thing until I started taking care of my mom. But um, I'm just like, you so happy when they call you. And I'm here every day and I do everything. And you don't get stuck at me. <laughs> You're not happy to see me when I come back from Walmart from the two-hour haul I had to go. But let somebody who hasn't seen you in a year pull up. You just, oh my God. I'm just, but, and I do. I make, All I I make stuff off everything because that that's how I cope with stuff. I want to say amen on that one because my dad, my dad, so like I got to a point where I had certain family members send him money just so that he has something coming from people, if that makes any sense. He wants to be able to like be receiving and um, it, it's not just, it's just to have something come in the mail with his name on it coming from that individual and you know, even if I have to orchestrate it and look like that, or just it, they actually do it, it, it means the world to them. And and I, I definitely feel you because um, when my sister came with my nieces, he was elated. He was like, oh my gosh, I'm in, I'm in heaven right now, right? Um, when I had my nephew and my niece over for the weekend, this man was like, I have my grandkids. We went to Sesame Place together. Like he, look, you couldn't tell him nothing about him as as long as he's around his grandkids. But I'm here every day. It's like his routine is he calls my name every morning, literally on the dot. And I'm like, bruh, like why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to make sure he's not home alone, right? It was like, it's, and he'll call it three times after the third time. He's like, I guess he's not here. But that's the only thing time I hear from him all day. The rest of the day, and that's the other thing now is they are on the phone all day long, right? With a girlfriend, a, a guy friend, or somebody far away. Because you know, my dad is all about trying to maintain his memory. So he's you can hear him talking to his homeboys and like, hey, remember that time way back in '65 and. They're like, bro, you have a good memory. He's like, yeah, my mind's still here. I ain't got no eyes or no ears, but I got this, you know. Um, and and I think there is, you know, I, I want to say that our villages have changed, right? Um, I think our villages have changed to the point where, um, especially in a time of COVID, where no one's gonna go up and up and down the the street or the highway, like I live in Jersey, my siblings live in New York. Anyone can tell you leaving New York is like going to California to them, right? It's only a 45 minute drive, but it's a toll and it's a highway and it's too much. But they can go anywhere in New York that takes the same amount of time without hesitation. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think like I was saying earlier, our really just changed to the point where um, now with COVID, you know, are you guys seeing the communication increase over the phone or are you guys seeing like it de decrease? I, I know Janelle, you talk to your mom periodically, she's capable, but are you, are you guys seeing like them talking to friends and connecting more now than before? I, 
yeah, yeah, yes and no. Um, well, like you said, like your dad just got the vaccine, my mom did. So I, I would say pre-vaccine is like it's like post post-pandemic, pre-vaccine, post-vaccine, all the things. So like pre post-COVID, um, pre-vaccine, I feel like um my mom wasn't getting out as much, but she was also with me. So in the beginning of the pandemic, I moved my mom in with me. Um, just because it was, it was too much to shop for two households. But again, there goes that reliance. She's like, you're the responsible one. I'm coming to stay with you. And then I became like her best friend. Um, but then it was like four months in. I was like, all right, you got to go back home because this ain't going to work. Um, but <laughs> like, I was able, I was, I had the ability to do that. And I will say after that, I feel like she did start to branch out for her um, trepidation. There was, you know, I don't want to get sick. My mom also has um, um, respiratory issues already. And so she was very, very scared. But now, like, post-vaccine post, post vaccine for her, she's very much like, you know, let's go do something. Let's get out. And she's calling everybody, like, what are you doing? It's like, you know, you still have to gauge everyone else's, you know, um, level of comfort when it still comes to going outside and being around people or being in crowds. But now I would say she's being more social um, in her groups. But I also feel like, I think Brandy or um, Nicole may have said this, but you you you're inside now and so are other people so you slow down some that you can um build those relationships in some way so i do feel like her other friends are inside so that way but um with me and her i would say only during the time of and, and this this is not a question that you asked but even as i say this out loud i may have i, I may have trauma so like from being a caregiver for my father i'm like i'm almost holding you at bay because I know it's coming. So it's like, if I don't have to be the caregiver now, I'm gonna do what I wanna do now until I have to be the caregiver. So it's, mom, don't, you're not coming in here all, all day because I gotta use this time where I can go outside to go outside because one day you're gonna be like, Janelle, I need you all day. So you go over there with your friends and you know, when you can't, I'll be there, but not right now. So I feel like now it's kind of like a, I've kind of created some distance because it's kind of like, I just need some time. Let me get my time first. But that goes back to being selfish. Like I wanna, I wanna do what I wanna be able to do while I, while I can and you know like what does that look like what does that mean I don't know um I don't know if the, how that sounds but that that's my truth so hey it's Ashley Nicole I appreciate y'all for listening and hopefully you're all getting your keeping your cheeses on your crackers I'm dropping in on this episode to give you some goodies have you been wanting to get into the podcast game and don't know where to start I got you I have answers if you haven't already heard about Anchor by Spotify, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor has everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Let me say it again um, in case you missed it. Everything that you need to make a podcast is conveniently in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Free 99, zero dollars, zero cents. So go ahead and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started now. I can't wait to listen to your podcast too. Living your truth, honey, because... <laughs> the smallest break I get, I'm like a chin with his head cut off. I'm going here. I'm doing everything I couldn't do for like for my birthday. 
My birthday was on the 2nd of May. My mom's birthday was on April 30th. Here's another thing where everything's combined with her. She was hell bent on going to the beach for her birthday and staying a week. So I had to get a compromise to connect the day before my birthday so I could celebrate my birthday. But even me going to celebrate my birthday, I was on pins and needles. I was, and my nephew has kept my mom uh, uh, multiple times, but it's still, she's still gonna call every time she can't find that certain pill. She's still gonna call so I can show him how to put her in the bed and, and, and all this stuff. So I feel like I never get a break, but I wanna be selfish a little bit too. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely understand on the selfish part. Well, I am selfish. I ain't gonna lie to you. Like, so I spent a lot of effort conditioning my dad to his space right and so i have cameras in the house <laughs> um the nurse comes by every day just about and so i've gotten myself to the point where i know certain things he won't do which affords me to be able to take a trip right like my dad's ailments aren't such that he can't be left alone it's just he just won't be able to leave the house. You know what I mean? Um, and so for me, I think I've been selfish. I've been able to travel. I've been able to kind of enjoy some of the things, but it's not until I have everything in place. So like about the medication piece, I discovered this amazing machine called the Hero, which is a medication dispenser. It will, you can schedule it to, dispense all of our medication how many ever times a day right they got these little cups you pour in each medication you schedule it and then you can tell from your phone if you took it or not i've used every form of technology to keep track of his blood pressure so when i go to the doctor's office i show them like the blood pressure is bluetooth and it syncs to my phone so they they ask about blood pressure I show him the blood pressure for the last month. They ask about his medication. I pull up the app, show him what he's taken. Um, the doctor's office have a medical chart. I have that on my phone. Um, like I really, you know, did my best to try to make sure that I have everything. And at any given time, I can hand that information off to somebody else so that they can just continue on. Cause Part of the problem a lot of times as caregivers is we hoard all of the information ourselves. And when it's time to hand it off or as a routine or explaining the routines, it becomes like perfect example. You taking your mom to an event and if her leg is stiff, you can't put her by the door where people are gonna keep budging, right? Um, you know, sometimes you, you let them know like, look, you know, mommy's leg is like this. We just got to put her in a position where she's out of people's way. And although you may say it, the frustrating part is that you're going to have to say it over and over and over again until they, they figure it out because she's not going to know where they position her. Cause like you said, they're going to want to put her where they feel comfortable. Right. And not where she's comfortable. Um, but, but I agree. Like the selfishness aspect of it as a caregiver, like you said, you get a glimmer of hope, you like, all right, bet, boom, out. You know what I mean? Um, so so that was definitely, I definitely appreciate you guys answering that because, you know, that definitely lets me know that I'm not alone in these streets. 
um, that I hope lets other people know that what they're doing is not so far off that they're not doing a good job. Because the other part of it, um, that same village question is like, I constantly find myself asking people or asking myself, am I doing this right? Right? Like, there's no manual to being a caregiver, right? There's no manual to doing these things. And sometimes I'm like, all right, he's still alive, so I'm doing it right. But from time to time, he gets mad at me. Is that normal? Or is that just part of the process? So how do you deal with the 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 lack of acknowledgement of what you're doing um, versus the validation that what you're doing is is right. Because for me, it's a struggle. It's a struggle even with he sometimes realize when I'm at my lowest, like my son, he like rubbed my head. My son, my son, you do so much for me. Thank you. Thank you. And I don't think he realized how much that means to me. Like, how do you guys deal or how did you deal with being validated what you were doing helped for that time being? I think I think something that um that Brandy mentioned earlier um is what I held on to and she referred to her mom as, you know, a woman of faith, right? So I feel and, and to make this story full circle, my story, like I said, me and my dad, we were on a grip for like three years because I felt like he was always asking me of his children to do things. And I was just like, you know, back to like, what is this generation doing? I was like, I'm not doing nothing. You better call on the other kids. So for me, it was more like um, when I tried to align my life so I live by Christian values or I try to, um, that's the goal. And so understanding that, you know, you're supposed to honor your mother and your father. And whether I get any recognition from people, earthly people, I feel like my father in the heavens knows what I'm doing. He sees my heart. He understands my struggle. And, and that's all of that I cling to because if you're, if you're seeking validation from people, they're not going to give it to you because if you say, I'm taking care of my dad, you're supposed to. It's going to be a response. You know, like you don't get an A for taking care of your parent. Um, you don't get extra credit because they're disabled. You don't get extra credit because they're dying. You're just like, you're supposed to. That's, that's, your, that's your mother. That's your father. And in some ways, yes. Um, and in some ways, no. But at the same time, it's like, for me, I just, I, this is where I firmly planted my feet into faith um, and held on to the God that I serve to to carry me and to see. And, and there's even a scripture, um, if, you, if you read the Bible, that says, you know, um, like, basically, um, like, taste and see that I am good. So expect to, to know that if I help you, so I'm expecting my guy, my guy, I'm going to do this, you said do this, where's my reward? And it's like, there is a reward, your reward is waiting, you just got to be patient. So I, I don't necessarily think I might be rewarded or, or acknowledged in this lifetime, but I hold, wholly expect that you remember my words um, later. And so, and, that, and that's what I hold my head on. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on what I heard it was going in and out here. But um, as far as getting validation, um, I don't look for it because, like she said, like she said, um, you should. I'm I'm fifty fifty with that. When I do get validation, or when somebody does tell me you're doing good, more so with my mom. Like sometimes she look at me and she go, "I know you're tired." I'm like, "Yes, just let me sit down." 
that's how I want you to do. But um, and and as far as the faith part, um, I know, I know, and I'm I live my life <clears throat> based off everything happens for a reason. So I know there's a reason for this, but at the same time, I'm like, what's the reason? Can I get some? positivity from can i get something and i know <clears throat> i'll be rewarded for it in the end i'm not doing it for reward but um to touch on what she said about um you're supposed to care for your parents initially that's how i felt like i'm her daughter she raised me it's my duty to take care of her um and i like getting different people's point of view different point of views um i had spoke with this lady and she said um that she was in the same situation, but she decided to put her mom in a home. I'm not gonna judge her. Maybe her lifestyle, that's what she decided to do. Um, but because she, she said that she looked at it as though it's not her responsibility to take care of her mom. Her mom has done her job and raised her, her to it's on her to live her own life now. And it kind of made me look at it from a different point of view. It didn't make me change my mind about what I was going to do with my mom or the whole situation, but it did give me another view on it. Like, because I can't, sometimes I feel not guilty. I feel bad sometimes for some of the stuff. Like I might say when I close my door, like I wish she would just leave me alone, just leave me alone. And then, and then there's a voice in my head sometimes like, well, if she, if she leave here, then you're going to be crying. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, dang, I want her to leave me alone. I want her to let me lay in my room and lay in silence and not have to take you to the bathroom for two hours. And then sometimes, even when she does do that, like the other day, she let me lay in my bed for four hours straight without bothering me. I got so scared. I was like, is she okay? So I literally got up to go in there and check on her. And she was asleep. And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm thinking, it's like, it's so many different things like I want her to leave me alone, but I want her to bother me so I know she's okay. And I don't know. It's I don't know. It's a battle every day. I do know. Yeah, it's it's a weird dynamic because I am the same way with my dad. Like, so the medication dispenser go off and it doesn't alert every couple minutes just to remind him. And when he doesn't get up to go get it, I literally run to his room just to make sure he's okay. And like, for example, today. I ran into his room and he was stretching. I was like, bro, like, he's like, I'm just stretching my legs. I was like, bro, you, you gotta, you gotta communicate with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, and I, I agree is like, sometimes like, for example, he calls my name every single morning. If he knows I'm here, I'm like, bro, you know, I'm here, but he does it sometimes. Right. So, um, that's, that's where it gets a little frustrating. Um, so I'm gonna move on, right? Wait, so, you, uh, go I ahead. Did, um, I want to add my third party, like, because I wasn't there for my mom because I was in another state. My sister um, said that, um, as far as the validation question, that other people uh, rarely acknowledged it, but Mama did, and sometimes that's all that matters because she knew that you was doing the most. But it also felt weird when when other people did acknowledge it because it's like I'm supposed to. That's all I wanted to say. Okay, yeah. Yes. Whenever somebody does, my response is, "I ain't got no other choice." Like that's right. what I'm supposed to do. But it is. It does hit different when your mom or your parents right. acknowledges it. It really does hit different. It, it, I'm not even a person, but it makes me feel all gushy inside. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, um, 
the next question, right? Um, caregivers are often consumed with the responsibility of maintaining a quality of life for their parents um, that can at times um, consume them or even take their identity. How do you, how do you guys deal with being the individuals as opposed to just such and such as caregiver? Does that make sense? question because because you've been doing it for, since 2015 right and so your identity is synonymous with your mom's identity right or your identity is now like oh that's such and such daughter oh, she's his, her caregiver but they don't they don't mention that you're a hairstylist that you're a mom that you're an auntie that you're all these other things so how do you guys and you know, I, I I have my own things as well. But like, how do you guys, you know, deal with being identified as who you are as opposed to just the role that you play for your mom? I've never thought about that. I've never tried to um, separate the two. I've never really acknowledged that. That's how. I mean, like when you just said it, it made me think of it. Yeah, that is how people describe me. Um, I don't know. But it, that is something that I would want to figure out how to do, <laughs> how to separate myself from just being the caregiver. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. That was a good question, though. And Janelle? I agree. Um, I don't know that I've ever thought about it, um, that, that people look at me in that way. I guess they just, you know, I don't know. I guess I also didn't define it as who I was either. Because I had so, at the time, um, I had so many multifaceted roles. I actually, at the time I was a student, um, I was still in school. So I just had so many other identities. Um, I don't know. Like Brandy, like Brandy said, I don't know until you ask this question, if I tried to separate, if I thought about, or if I identified myself as a caregiver. I knew I was. When I say I was, or if somebody asks, like, you know, or we talk about topics like this, almost like I was a caregiver. Um, but also, I think, I don't know if um, Randy or Nicole mentioned this earlier, but sometimes, like, the roles are assumed, too, right? And and, and, and how we are raised. It's like, I feel like I've been, I'm, I'm an older sister. Um, you know, I was like, I feel like I've, I co-raised my brother. I feel like I, women sometimes, I think maybe you said this, Purge, that it falls on the son. I feel like it falls on the daughter. I feel like it falls on the daughters uh, to be the caregiver to the mother's. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't, I just, I guess it just wasn't a part of my identity unless you asked, um, you know, what, what else I had going on, but I don't think that would have been my first description of myself. Yeah. I think for, I think for me, um, honestly, this is probably going to be the first time people realize I'm actually my dad's caregiver. Um, so, you know, um, and, and, well, to an extent, right? So like for me, um, Ashley and Janelle, you guys know, I manage my travel page um, and it seems like I live life, you know, luxuriously to some people, right? But, um, you know, I, I, I try, you know, I'm all about maintaining identity of self um, and not allowing other things to kind of consume who I am. Um, and so, like I said, like for me, it was, it was, it was easy. Cause you know, a lot of people didn't see me as, you know, page the 
the caregiver. They saw me as the travel guy, right? Um, and so it allowed, it gave me that autonomy to not have to feel that way. Um, but it is something that I see a lot of people do. But I, I guess the other question is, is, um, you know, I think to Janelle's point and in, in, in my, especially my situation, we're not, caregivers aren't really out there screaming, hey, I'm a caregiver, right? Um, because it's, it's just what you do, you know what I mean? Like, because once again, these are roles that we didn't necessarily take on ourselves. They were just put on us. So it's not like we're screaming from the mountaintop, oh, hey, by the way, I'm a caregiver. When you introduce yourself, the first thing you the first few things you say aren't, hey, my name is such and such, I'm a hairstylist, and I'm a caregiver. Like, the last thing you want to kind of do is add the caregiver piece because subconsciously, for me at least, I don't want nobody feeling pity for me because it's not a pity role. It's a role that I take on and I take on, you know, very wholeheartedly. So um, the fact that people are learning that I am a caregiver, you know, probably give them a different perspective. Yeah, with the whole pity thing, I don't, I don't like that either. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of people that know me personally may feel like uh, she always bringing up her mom, and she, got, but it's, it's the truth, it's the reality. Like, um, everybody doesn't have to deal with it, so they don't know it, how it is. And I just feel like at, sometimes I'm just like. I, sometimes I won't answer my phone for anybody. I won't, I won't respond to a text message just because I'm trying to mentally figure out how I'm going to get this day. Like, how, like, my mom could be having the best day in the world, but she's still going to need me physically to help her do things. And I may not feel like getting up. I have an autoimmune disease and I might not feel like getting up out of the bed, but I don't have any other choice. I can't pick up the phone and call somebody and, like, can you come help me? That's not an option. So, I don't like for people to feel sorry for me. I just like them to acknowledge and to know that what I do is what I do. And, I, and that's how it is. Like, even with the whole dating scene and stuff, like, I let every, if I meet you, I say to my mom, I can't go on dates. Sorry. And then we go from there. So it'll take <laughs> every aspect of your life. Every aspect. You got to pay for me a basic for me to go on a date. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's real. That's real. I do. Um, I feel like I, I was only a carrier, a true, what I, I guess, and maybe that's a question that you add later, but um, like the definition of a true gear, caregiver, I feel like I was only that for one year, but my time was so tapped. But like you said, Brandy, during that time, it was like, I just, I had no time for like extracurricular or miscellaneous because if I did have a breath of free time, it was like either me time or trying to get like groceries for me you know or things for me but not necessarily fun time and and to your point like uh, I remember one time um like right before my dad died I remember like planning a trip and I wanted to go to Thailand it was it was a it was like a pre-graduation trip to Thailand and I knew his condition and I knew that it was like touch and go and I remember him saying like he wanted to like he was in denial um about like his death being imminent and so I remember like his, his bathroom was falling apart and he was like trying to redo his bathroom. And I was just like, dad, I mean, if you know you're dying, like, you know, why are you, why are you redoing the bathroom? And he was like the same reason you get on that flight to Thailand. And I was just like, 
Oh, I was like, uh, wow. But it was like crazy because it was like, you have to do what makes you feel good. And he's like, I know that you're going to leave. And I'm, and, but even in that moment, it was like, I was very scared to go because I was like, if I go and I'm halfway across the world and this happens, this is devastation. But at the same time, he was like, you need to go. And I did, and it was okay. Um, and, and, you know, he was still alive when I got back. But I, I just remember in that moment, though, like thinking about like choices, like, but also still owning self, but also thinking about like, really what you can't do, what you can't do when you're in a, in a true caregiver role. Um, it limits, it puts a lot of limits. I do have to leave. Um, cause, um, I got people coming in, but I do appreciate, uh, the conversation. I think it's a really important topic and I think it's an ongoing conversation that I would like to be a part of if we, you know, do a part two of this later on in the future. But mm -hmm. I definitely appreciate everyone for sharing their stories and their time and for letting me also share my story. This is a great platform um, and, and a much needed conversation. So thank you, Purge. Thank you, Nicole, um, for putting this together. And thank you, Brandy, for sharing as well. But I got to go. Bye, guys. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. So yeah. while we wait on Brandy to jump back on, mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that um, one of the questions I did ask myself was, was caregiving for me? Right. Um, I think I wasn't sure if I was even ready to do this. Um, I think I struggled with, I, like, so Brandy, um, the question was, um, did you think caregiving was for me? Right. Um, did you think that it was something that you can take care of? Like, it's different going from child to taking care of a child to taking care of your mom. Right. And for me, it was like, and this is gonna sound morbid. I was like, I don't want him to die on my watch because I bear I'm barely taking care of myself. Right. Um, you know, I'm a bachelor and you y'all know how bachelors live. No paintings on the walls, barely any furniture. Uh, I got no pictures of myself or anybody else anywhere in the house. Um, so how am I gonna gonna care for somebody with the level of care that they need and um i was scared i was scared for several months into it um i'm still scared now right um but i think that fear and that wanting to preserve their quality of life um drives me sometimes like Perfect example, like um, I was telling um, um, Ashley the other day, I had an anxiety attack two weeks ago. I asked my manager to to let me take the the, the Friday off as a wellness day, um, and you know that's usually I usually I would have ideally set that up to just like go somewhere, drive, and just not do anything, but. I realized my dad wants to get out the house. So mm -hmm. when I tell you we drove down to Atlantic City and we went to Atlantic City with about $200 in our pockets. We went to the casino and we played these slots for like three, four, five hours. The smile on his face and him saying, I had so much fun today was everything like 
you know, cooped up in the house since March of last year, right? So that means the only people he see is me, the nurse, and one other person, mm -hmm. right? And he doesn't go outside because once again, the news and all the people are telling him it's dangerous outside to have him go out and really be like, yo, this was the best day ever. And I was just like, ah, oh, all right. I think I can, I think I'm doing it right. I think I can do it. Um, and, but you know, there are still those moments of doubt that can I do this? Am I, am I qualified to do this? Um, do you ever feel like that? Or did you feel like that going into it? No, um, I didn't feel like that because when she had the stroke, um, she was married. She still currently is married. Um, so he was in the home with her. You know, like I said, I had my brother. So it wasn't just me the first year. Okay. Um, given I was still the main one because I worked as a CNA before. So I knew how to physically get her up and without hurting her and all of this, and I knew what pills to give her and how to give them, um, I still had help in the middle of the night to get her up and take her to the bathroom. Or I had her husband here who could take her to the doctor when she needed to go. Um, so initially, it was just another thing, just another day um, with her being in her condition. And then after her husband moved out, and then it was just me and my brother. Mm. And then... My brother was like, he was my, he was the oldest. He was my backbone. Like he, he couldn't mentally take it, but he could be a person in the house with her and he could take her to the bathroom, but he couldn't, the crying that she would do when she was hurting or her getting frustrated when she couldn't verbally say what she wanted to say, he couldn't take that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was left to out to just me. Um, I, sometimes I'm scared to death. To come out of my room and walk past her room, and like I said, I've cleaned, I've I worked with the dead before, I've did all that before, but uh, it's different when it's your mama. So mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like peeping there just to make sure I can see her, see her breathing, because literally every day I have terrible anxiety, but every day it's like, damn. I mean, excuse me, it's like, is this today? <laughs> I don't. Mm -hmm. I I I can't. What am I going to do? I, it really plays in my head every day. And again, like I said, I make jokes out of everything. So my friends, I'll just be talking. I'm like, y'all, what if X, Y, Z happened today? And they're like, stop talking like that. But it's a reality. It's something I need to get prepared for. Mm -hmm. To go all the way back to the beginning when you said about the insurance stuff and the Medicaid stuff and all that. My mom was sitting on the side of her bed doing her life insurance, doing her will, and doing all of that when she had her stroke. I don't know where any of that paper to this day. I don't know where any of that paper was at. Um, mm. she could she knows exactly where her life insurance was at, um, who it was through, but she couldn't right after it happened, she couldn't verbally tell me, so it ended up lapsing. I had no idea that it had lapsed until maybe a year and a half ago. And I'm like, you ain't got no no life insurance. What are you gonna do? So I had to start all over and do the whole waiting period and everything, like you were saying. But it took now that was scary to me. The um paperwork side and getting everything and the um the uh, um what is it called when you are over Medicaid. there medical and uh, uh, Medicaid um, 
whenever I'm the person over her medical thing. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, anyway, um, uh, is power of attorney. A power of attorney. Getting that done, paying the lawyer, like all of that was very, very scary. I can do the physical part, but that part I, I wasn't that because I was the baby. She used to do all that stuff for me. <laughs> but um, to go back to what you were saying, um, I'm scared for something bad else, something else bad to happen to her. Mm -hmm. I'm not scared of doing what I do. I'm just scared of whatever was the inevitable happening, whether I go before her or her before me. But my anxiety is terrible. Mm -hmm. I get, I have terrible anxiety from it, um, which I'm currently working so, on. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and that's the, and that's a good follow up, right? So, right, go ahead, Ashley. Oh, yeah, before you follow up, um, I think my mom was fortunate because. Um, although I wasn't able to be there, she did have three daughters. And so while my, uh, my twin sister was like the primary, at least, um, she could depend on my other sisters, but I think it was also, it was scary for them because they're there, but it was scary for me every day because my phone is on page notes, but my phone lives on do not disturb, but my mom's phone number was like emergency bypass. If anybody calls from the house, it doesn't matter what time I'm going to get that call. And I would, I would just be awake, just looking at my phone sometimes. Cause I'm like, is anybody going to call? Is something happening? Is this tonight? Is this today? Like what's going to happen? So, um, and even as far as like being able to take care of her. I remember when like the second time she had the major stroke and I flew home and we were all sitting in ICU together waiting for the um the doctor to come back and trying to decide okay what now. Um I think um whenever it comes to okay it's time for me to take care of my parent I don't think there's anything that it can be aside from scary. I know we all get into it like our fight or flight and it's like, that's my mom, I'm taking care of her. But in that same vein, you also be like, that's my mama, I'm taking care of her. Me, I'm taking care of her. And it's scary. Most definitely. And yeah. like he was saying, whenever I had my baby, I was like, I got to be responsible for another person. And then my mama got sick. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I got to be responsible for two people. Mm -hmm. Me, I can't, I can barely remember to eat myself. Right. Um, <laughs> and no, seriously, like I'm, I'm that person. Like I forget crazy stuff all the time. But um, yeah, what you were saying about the, the sitting in the hospital and stuff, even back to the day that she got sick and had the stroke. She had a husband there. She had my older brother there. But they all looked at me to see if they should give her the the, um, the medicine to dissolve the clot or and they could possibly kill her or make her or she make it. And they are looking at me because I had the medical background and I was in college um, with a for a nursing degree at that time. Um, so they all looked at me and I'm like, so that was like me it foreshadowing what the rest of my her days were going to be, or up until this point, her days with me, because everybody's looking at me, and I'm like, I don't know. If I make the wrong decision, then you know what I'm saying, right? So, so I guess um, my my follow up question is, um, how do you, if you ever do get a chance to decompress, how do you decompress? Because I know for me, um, like. I have to literally distance myself from everybody. So I travel a lot, right? That's my decompression. And 
But last year with COVID and the lockdown, I was in a bad place because um, I'm not letting nobody in the house, right? Um, I had the nurse wearing a mask and gloves everywhere. He was wearing a mask and like, although we like, I literally couldn't kiss my mom for a year. Like the first time I got a chance to kiss my mom was literally two weeks after getting my second shot. She was like, you know, I finally get to kiss my baby boy. You know what I mean? Like my mom lives in Philly. I live in Jersey. My dad lives with me. And so like for me, you know, I'm, my sister and I are distantly caring for my mom, right? Cause she's one of those people we need to love her from afar, right? <laughs> and that in itself is scary because she living by herself. Um, mm -hmm. So me and my sister are always in a mindset of, she's in that big behind house by herself. We never know what she's going through. We never know what she's doing. And the one thing that keeps us both sane is the fact that she goes to her garden every day. So I get to see her walk past her door because she got the ring doorbell. I get to see her walk past the door and go to her garden. I'm like, whew, she's good today. You know what I mean? But with all these things that we have to think about as, as caregivers, like, you know, speci specifically for you, I use travel. What do you use, if it's okay for you to talk about, to kind of like decompress? <laughs> Okay. Um, mostly, um, if it's just me being in my room, if I can just be in my room, whether I'm watching TV, whether I'm on social media, just to not be bothered um, and just quiet time to myself. Um, I, I like to be around my friends. Um, because they are like outgoing and they uplift me and they're crazy and funny and we do all type of crazy stuff and talk about crazy stuff because um, I feel like I can actually be a normal 33 wherever that is. I can be a normal 33 year old. Um, but I can honestly say going to the beach whether my mom was with me or not just to be in that in that environment is everything to me. Like, I love it. Um, <clears throat> like I said, she's gonna be with me nine times out of 10 anytime I go, but just being there knowing that I can go out on the beach and be by the ocean with the creation by myself, that's mm -hmm. how I like to spend my time alone in my room by myself. Mm -hmm. I don't have to go anywhere. I can just be by myself. Well, that's good. It's good to hear that you have some kind of like um, self-care built into your um, your routine, even if it's just going to the beach and looking at the water for a few few hours or whatnot. Um, I did also want to ask, in what ways do you think that we could survive? Ugh. What ways do you think we could provide support for caregivers similar to how we support parents? I'm sorry, I got all tongue-tied. Uh, you said similar to the way we support what? Uh, parents. Oh. oh, here we go. In what ways can we provide support for caregivers similar to the way we support parents? So uh, I want to step in real quick on that one. So one of the things that I will say New Jersey has is a department of on aging. Um, I, I wish every 
Dayton city and county had it. Um, they sent my dad care packages. Um, they set him like pre COVID. Um, the first thing that um, one of my friends told me was go to the department of aging. They'll set you up with everything. So we got him access rides. We got him um, access to the um, adult daycare, so to speak. Um, we got him, um, they got me all the medical things. The, the They got me literally like the Medicaid paperwork, the insurance paperwork, walked me through all of that. Because um, to your point earlier, you're getting a whole bunch of documents and, um, you know, I had no pre-existing history of my dad. So I literally went through, um, we did physicals from the start. We did blood work from the start. Like what he started with me was ground zero. Mm -hmm. And I think programs like that, but us knowing that it's out there, it makes a world of a difference because, um, you know, they walked me through setting up the SNAP benefits so that we can have food stamps to go get him the food that he needs. Like my refrigerator is all his. Like they're like I might have the bottom tray, <laughs> but we're talking about fruits, we're talking about vegetables, juice, ensure, um, his prefix meals. Like, you know, there's a lot that as caregivers, um, especially like just going into it, right? Not knowing like I think you got me you got me one up because as a home aide, you kind of knew some of these things that needed to be taken care of. I my mom was a homemade, but she can only explain what to do, but she can't do it for me. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think for me, you know, there are hotlines out there. And I didn't know there were hotlines out there. Um, insurance companies would provide you uh, like my dad's insurance. Um, company gave us this program called OTC, which is like over the counter where you can go to CVS, Walgreens. They gave us a thousand dollars a year so that I can get him his denture stuff. I like Brandy, we got to talk on the side. I'm telling, I'm just telling you how I look, I was getting like, they just sent us like $50 a quarter just to get him food at Walmart. Like, they saw me and was like, oh, poor child. Like, here's all the stuff we can give you. <laughs> and so um, I want to say that um, the support I'm looking for, um, honestly, is from our own people. Mm -hmm. um, I think, um, you know, caregivers aren't really, we're really not just out here screaming at the mountaintop, hey, I'm a caregiver. But if you know, um, I would say, you know, you know, um, I just discovered I can get my dad respite. So if I want to get away or I want to like send him somewhere like right, not, not during COVID, of course, but I didn't, I thought respite was only for, you know, children in the system. You know what I mean? I didn't know you can get respite for adults. So I was like, Psh, I would have been gotten a respite. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Um, and then there's programs like care.com. Um, that can get you some stuff, but like I said, I for me the support I was looking for was more so support. Like the same way, if I have kids, all of my friends and family are gonna want to just smother them with love by taking them from me. 
yo, come come pick up this old man for me real quick. <laughs> I feel you. Most definitely. Um, the thing about it, here in North Carolina, um, it's a lot of things that I hear people talk about, like you're talking about, have assistance or can go get pointed in the right direction. There's a lot of hurdles you got to jump over here. And even with like the EBT, my mom cannot get EBT. She can't get Medicaid. Like it's just like her checks, the the SSI or whatever check she gets, they're too much. So she can't get Medicaid. She can't. She doesn't qualify for food stamps. She doesn't qualify for so many things. And it's like, okay, well, what does she qualify for? <laughs> Can I get some help? But as far as me personally, just asking, am I okay? Even if you can't do nothing about it, let me vent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me vent to you. Let me tell you what this crazy lady did last night or whenever she's supposed to have been in the bed or quick story my mom has a motorized wheelchair now that we find somebody finally gave us the um the name of the company who we could go through who would um help her get a motorized wheelchair they would pay for her cna to come um and they actually remodeled our bathroom so there's a couple but you just gotta know the right people but um anyway she was in her motorized wheelchair i ran to lowe's to go get something to fix on the house and i came back she had to went down the ramp in our gravels and it got stuck i have a ring light so my ring it went off on my phone and i looked and i thought she, maybe she was just going down to the edge of the ramp no when i got back she was out of view of the camera and she was over there stuck so i said i can't leave you alone for nothing but <laughs> it's just st- times like that that makes me like she still has her own identity but mm-hmm. as far as um the question what kind of support just ask me i'm okay <laughs> even <laughs> if you can't physically do nothing for me Encourage me, let me see you. Not all right, I'll figure it out. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and you know, um that you know, that goes a long way asking, are you okay? You know what I mean? Um, it will follow a venting session, but you <laughs> ask for it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know what I mean? It'll be a long, are you okay? Like, you sure you want to know if I'm okay? Or are you just asking to be polite? Because don't ask me if I'm okay. If you're going, if if you're just asking just to be polite. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think um, this was definitely uh, an Do you have any, like, um, closing remarks that you want to leave people, like, based on your experience? Take care of those who took care of you. Um, Pray. (laughs) And I mean, just do do whatever you're led to do. Mm -hmm. I would say for me, just take care of who took care of you and love them because when they're gone, you can't get them back. Agreed. 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 Um, I want to say, you know, Caregivers are one of many unsung heroes. Um, we're, we're not gonna ask for it, not because we're prideful, but you know, it's one of those things where I, I think as Brandy stated, it, it's our job, you know? Um, but if you do see us and it looks like we're struggling, step up, 
help out. Um, however, it can be if it's a phone call, like Brandy mentioned, or just stopping by and visiting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I will say um, one of the best things that happened for me is the young lady that I met uh, bought my dad a recliner. And um, it brings both of us joy when we see him fall asleep in the recliner um, in the afternoon. Um, the sun is facing inside the living room. So he'll just be in a recliner like this. Um, it's those little kind things that go a long way. And, and as she said, plays dominoes with him, when, especially when I don't want to play dominoes with him. Um, it's those gestures that really help caregivers or people dealing with um, an older parent, um, you know, just give them a glimmer of hope that there are kind people out there that sees the hard work that they're doing. Um, you know, I think to, to Brandy's point, it's not always a, you know, at a boy, it's a, uh, can I give a hand? You know what I mean? Um, especially for those that don't have the luxury of being able to step away without their, their older parents. Um, so Brandy, um, you mentioned you're a stylist. So can you tell us, you know, how can we find you and, you know, what's your IG again so that people could check these amazing hairstyles. And they're actually, cause I looked at them. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a new stylist. I started in August full, to take, I started taking it seriously in August 2020 because I was sick with COVID. I got recovered and I had to stay home with my mom cause her CNA was over here. So I, I, I had no other choice. Like I said, I believe everything happens for a reason. Um, but my IG crowned by B. Crowned is spelled with a Q by just the letter B. Um, and my Facebook is Brandy with an I, Brandy B, like it is on here. Um, I'm in North Carolina. And Where in North Carolina, if you don't mind me asking? I'm in Albemarle, which is like 45 minutes away from Charlotte. Okay. Okay, um, cool. It's a little small town, but yes. So y'all come and support me. <laughs> I'll actually be in Charlotte at the end of the month, so we can definitely oh, talk. I was telling my friends, I was like, everybody on here has locks. I should have let my locks show. <laughs> <laughs> my mom said, "You gonna cover your locks up?" I said, "Yeah, I don't know what kind, what look they're going for, so I'm gonna cover them up." Oh uh, nah, we all I team natural here. We team natural here. <laughs> all right, well, thank you very much. Stay on. Um, Ashley, you want to close this out? Thank y'all for coming. Thank you so much, Brandy. Um, it was great hearing your um, your story and how you're dealing with um, just the changes on taking care of your mom. Thank you, everybody that um, popped in to view with us. And that's all we got for y'all. We'll see y'all in two weeks. All right. And don't forget to subscribe like comment and share and if yeah. you get a chance enable that notification button so you know the next time that we we uh go live all right peace as we sign off we want to remind you that it's okay to not have your cheese on your cracker and that we are here to work towards getting there together